2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com.
3: Welcome to episode 193 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, alongside uh, Frank Saravalli, who joins us uh, from Arizona after Super Bowl 57. And uh, Frank, well, it was a tough loss for all of you Eagle fans, but man, that was a heck of a game. 38-35, back and forth, really a story of two halves.
4: Yeah, no kidding. What a crushing defeat that was. Um, just I can't even begin to think how much money Arizona lost in the businesses around the stadium after that because I got to tell you, there, the Chiefs fans were so outnumbered that they were in a spot where there was basically no party afterwards. Everyone from Philly was so dejected, so tired, so exhausted that everyone just kind of sulked and, and went back to their hotel. It was uh, it was a scene. It was uh, an awesome game, an unbelievable experience. And I think one of the coolest things about the Super Bowl is when you think about it, it's it's actually about family. I know that's going to sound wild to say, but when you think of every Super Bowl party you've been to, mostly you're there with your family. Right. And close friends. And, you know, I had a chance this weekend my, my dad was there with me, which was an awesome experience, sat next to him. My brother was in the end zone. He was sitting next to my cousin. I had another cousin elsewhere in the building. And I ran into so many people just that I knew growing up. And, you know, someone I went to elementary school with, ran into someone from high school. Like,
3: it was just uh, – it was an amazing experience. Take me through the first series. As you mentioned, there's lots of Eagles fans. And the Eagles just – you know, surgically go down the field and score the opening touchdown. Like what's the atmosphere there? And I know that you don't get to be a fan very often, but, but how is that?
4: Yeah. So I'm probably a
3: pretty miserable person to go to a game with actually the guy,
4: we were in like a cluster of Eagles fans and the guy next to me was like, dude, you're like, why are you so quiet? Like, he's like, are you okay? Like it's something. And I was just like, "Ah, I'm not really like a yeller or a screamer. Like I, you know, that's not really my thing. And my dad's quiet too. So I think people thought, I don't know, maybe we were fraud fans, but it's just the journalist in me. Like I'm not programmed to cheer at a sporting event. And so it's super weird to go and sort of be right in the thick of it. Um, so, yeah, I think some people were kind of looking at me a little funny, but um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And, and so to think they go down the field, my brother texts me at that moment. He's like, how awesome is this? And then they get to halftime, they got that lead, uh, you know, increased their lead right before halftime. And I'm thinking to myself, what did I say to you guys on the pod? Eagles win by 10 or more. And Mahomes looked like he got hurt toward the end of that first half, right in that last drive. And you're thinking, oh man, like this is going to be a route. And I thought it had the possibility to do so. But the problem was, especially when you take a look at, if you're a serious football fan, all the metrics, every sort of, you know, target that they hit would usually indicate a win. The last team that did all these certain things that the Eagles did in a game won 61-7. They, they, they shot themselves in the foot, couldn't get a stop in the second half, couldn't get, you know, they had no pressure on Mahomes. This vaunted defensive line that had so many sacks this year was closing in on an NFL record in sacks. Couldn't get any pressure. Didn't have a single sack. And... They couldn't get off the field in the second half. So they, the turnover uh, loomed large, the, the kicked, the booted fumble, the punt that they had uh, that ended up being a massive punt return. Um, they switched punters actually before this game. And it, all those things kind of add up and you end up with a, a three-point loss
3: and it's, it's heartbreaking. Oh, buddy, that would be, uh, that would be brutal. I, w- I would think it was uh, it was a great game. But quickly, how was the halftime show live in person? Uh, pretty. Odd. It was hilarious because my dad was just went to the bathroom.
4: <laughs> he didn't even like hang to watch. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not really a Rihanna fan, so whatever." But the he's also afraid of heights, so like those uh, levels that they had where they they were constantly moving around. Like I think that was freaking him out a bit. But it was really cool to see in person. Um, you you can't kind of you don't get the attention to detail that you would get if you were watching it on TV, if that makes any sense. like Oh, yeah. They're close, but not close enough to the point where you can, like, notice everything that's going on. So that part was a little different. But what's amazing, I, I know you see it a little bit when you're watching it on TV, but the, the setup and getting things in and out for that game uh, is, like, flat-out incredible. The, the manpower yeah. and the technology that they have to pull it off. I said to my dad, do you think just the rigging and setup alone, more or
3: less than a million dollars. And it probably oh, it has yeah. to be more. Dude, they, the, the, I read an article, the, they get a $10 million budget to set up all of their stuff. And then a lots, the, um, lots of the performers spend on top of that. Like when The weekend did it, he added an extra 7 million of his own money. And because they- 7 million. At, Yeah. Well, think about it. A commercial was seven mil for 30 seconds. And so he's paying seven mil for 15 minutes. But the difference is most of these people that they go on tour right afterwards or, you know. um, And so it was Joe Pompolone, I think, on Twitter. And he had a whole thread about what each of the last eight or nine artists did and what they spent and how much benefit they got back. It's basically like a business for them because they do it for free. They don't get paid. And then, so is Rihanna, is she going on tour after this? Like, you know, there's lots of... She's pregnant, so I doubt it.
4: Yeah. That was her big
3: thing last night was the reveal. Yeah, but she's going to... um you know, there, there's she, she's going to gain something from this, no question, right? Because like, they sure. they strategically choose to do it, right? Like, and it probably keeps her maybe like it said Fred because she hasn't toured since sixteen, and now she's pregnant again. Maybe this is a way to keep her front and center for herself, so people don't forget about her. So when she tours in the future, they'll be like, oh yeah, I remember Rihanna from Super Bowl fifty-seven. It's amazing, just the people that are at that
4: game. The collect like you see all like the stars on on TV, but then. You walk around and you just like, oh yeah, there's so and so. Like it, it's like it's unbelievable to be there.
3: Wow, I think. Well, considering you told us what your tickets cost and you guys got them uh, given to you, I can see why. There's only a certain amount of people that are paying that much money to sit in the Super Bowl. Oh, so. it's I, I, once in
4: a lifetime experience. Probably never happen again. I'd like to get a chance to take my son. I we actually sat next to a guy, a dad and his son. They were way older than us. The dad was almost eighty years old, and uh, it was amazing. So that that's when I say when you think of Super Bowl now I think of family. It sounds funny to say but that's what it feels like.
3: Yeah, no that's and uh, episode 193 brought to you by
4: Athletic Brewing. Yeah, that's the amazing thing. Being out in Arizona, I was actually at a couple bars that served Athletic Brewing. I, I, earlier in the week took my son to the Flyers Oilers game when the the Oilers came through town. Athletic Brewing served at Wells Fargo Center. Once you go dry Jan and you you do it with athletic brewing, you begin to notice it everywhere. I'm telling you, you can find athletic brewing almost any place you go. It's incredible. And just because dry Jan's in the rearview mirror doesn't mean you can't keep the good times rolling. Join me and enjoy Athletic Brewing's award-winning lineup of craft non-alcoholic beers. Trust me, these brews lack nothing and more importantly they don't come with the hangover use promo code frank 20 for 20 percent off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until february 28th athletic brewing company fit for all face-offs fit for all times
3: awesome so now let's get into some uh, hockey talk and uh, let's start with uh, hey the city you're in jacob chikrin uh, was held out uh, the the coyotes even put out a tweet saying uh, he was held out due to uh, uh trade talk so everyone's like okay well a trade's gonna be happening after the game and now here we are on Monday and there's still no trade there, there's a lot of speculation it was LA Frank but something's got to, something's amiss here as to why you would hold out a guy and then two days later he still hasn't been traded
4: yeah I, I can't quite put my finger on exactly what's happened I don't know if the goalposts move I don't know if there was something that popped up um, Trade wise, that that would have prevented it. I, I do believe the team that was in was Los Angeles, and I think their interest in Jacob Chickern has gone back uh, a long time. Uh, we've talked a lot about the idea of will the Coyotes get their asking price or not? Yes. And I've mentioned either last week or the week prior what their thought process is on the the asking price. It's either two first round picks and a prospect or. A first-round pick, a grade-A prospect or a first-round pick equivalent, and then a B prospect. L.A., to my knowledge, last year, and it's kind of amazing to think about because of the year that he's had, but I believe the Kings offered Gabe Velarde and a first-round pick for Jacob Chickering last summer. So Velarde's obviously been pretty impressive this year, and the first, that wasn't enough to get it done then. I don't know who was involved this time around. I don't know why it's been on hold. I don't even know if it's still active anymore. There's a chance that it's not and that uh, this has, you know, died on the vine. To give you some perspective as to why that may happen, usually when you get deep enough in talks and – there is a spot where you know both sides feel pretty comfortable about where this is heading. Usually one manager will say to the other, Hey, we have a game tonight. Would you like to, would you like this player to sit out to protect him? He's essentially going to be your asset. It's your call. And usually it's the visiting GM or, or the team that doesn't currently have the player that would make that decision and say, Hey, yeah, I think that that's smart or whatever it is. And so when the coyotes went down that path, um obviously something's close there's no doubt about that the question is how close and the question is why are we still now on monday and a trade hasn't been consummated and i don't know the answers to that i always allow for the possibility that someone else entered the fray or whatever it may have been especially when you then send out that tweet maybe they weren't in the process of circling back to all the teams that were in the mix and say hey we're holding this player out. You broadcast it publicly, all of a sudden, hey, your phone starts ringing. And hey, what are you doing? Where are you trading him? What's What are you getting? Can I beat it? And so you always have to allow for that possibility as well. Here's one thing I'll throw at you. Jacob Chikrin earns $4.6 million for yep. the next two seasons. The people that I've been talking to around the league suggest that the Coyotes are willing— to retain money on chicken, to bump him down in pay. Ooh. And part of the reason for that is one, they need to spend money anyway. Yeah. They've, they've got to it's never been an issue getting to the floor, but you're never going to be hitting the cap. So what's the difference? Uh, you have the space might as well use it. And two, People think that that could vaunt them into the the world of their asking price that they were initially thinking of that quite clearly they haven't gotten yet.
3: Yeah. yeah. So why? Well, that make, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Just like uh, the Eric Carlson, when you had reported 18%, I was like, well, that's great that the sharks want that. There was no chance. Um that uh, that they were only, you know, no team I think was going to acquire Carlson for that. I thought 40% was more realistic, and I bet you at the end of the day, that's the number. Now, um, the Coyotes, I think they currently have uh, Oliver ekman Larson. That's the only other retained contract on their books. So, you know, they could do Chickren, and then you still have Room Frank, as we've talked about, this being the, the year of the third party that they could be involved in another third party transaction if they wanted to. So Yeah, the problem with right-
4: Ekman Larson and his retained transaction is that it's on for each of the next four seasons and not going away. Yeah. So that's you've got a retained transaction on that's why they only retain
3: nine hundred and some thousand. You you don't want to ham up that cap if you can avoid it. Yeah, but, oh no, obviously like the coyotes though I'm not sure they're going to be a cap team but it's more so if if they can every trade deadline I think have one open spot to be a third party. I'm sure that's what they're going to think about for the next few years.
4: 100%. And that's the thing is they're in, what uh, the managers I talked to said why wouldn't they? Why yeah. on chicken if you can knock him down to I don't think 50% cuz I don't think you need to but get him somewhere in the 3s it's all of a sudden you take it an, an asset that was already attractive in many people's eyes and you, you pump it on steroids.
3: Yeah. Well th- that was the, r- the rumor you'd heard about McCabe in Chicago. Same thing, right? That's like, not a rumor.
4: Like, yeah. I, I, that's, I, I know that for a fact that they're willing yeah. to eat half. And I think their point is good luck getting a UFA defenseman this summer at two times two. That's better than Jake McCabe. Yeah, totally. Agree. There's your asset. And so they're in a, they're in a spot where, there's a reason why he's in the single digits
3: on our trade targets board that came out on Friday. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It makes, uh, I think
4: there's a chance that he's more likely to be moved
3: than Kane and or Taves. Well, at that price, right. How, how could he not? Right. I, I would agree wholeheartedly. Why, why wouldn't he? So, um, it makes it uh, it makes it really interesting here the next uh, the, the next few days as far as what you know what type of deals we see from some of these teams and you know who's going to be uh, who's going to be involved um, you know we saw the Rangers you know jump the gun if we want to call not not in a negative way just say hey get out in front we got Tarasenko and. It's paid. Uh, it's huge early dividends. It's extremely early, but might be the difference from them finishing it with home ice advantage. on that race against the New Jersey Devils, and you know they look good on the weekend. They pump Carolina. I know it's only one game, but man, when I watched that game, Frank, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about Carolina's need for a game breaker. And I know that Patrick Kane. You know what? We've talked about the uh, he's got a nagging injury. Per se, maybe he's not one hundred percent healthy. Maybe that's led to to his down season for him, but. Man, like I don't know if I see another potential game breaker at least as far as a forward goes who's available. Do you?
4: I I I hesitate to answer cuz like I watched Tarasenko and he scored within the first 3 minutes of his debut with the Rangers. And I I think you just it's an it's an un it's something you can't can't quantify. I was going to say unquantifiable, but I don't know if that's a word. You you don't know what the change of scenery is going to do for a guy. Like, so I, I think we know what what to expect from Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves when they get traded, if they get traded. But I also think teams are wondering like, what more can we squeeze out of them based on what they've presented this year? How much of a shot in the arm will going somewhere else provide for them will well, it allow jonathan taves to find his legs a little bit better because that's really been missing this year and i think now people are really concerned about this illness you're dealing with a guy that has you know sat out a week now essentially and he missed an entire season a couple years ago due to you know effects of long COVID. is what's going on this time around how will that impact his trade value i think that's a very real thing that teams now are sitting here saying that's scary you don't want to get a guy and then him
3: not be close to 100 percent and give up the assets for it oh i agree but no my point was kane's the best potential elite score i don't see another one available as mine so if carolina doesn't get kane like do you see any other ford who's available like Terrace yeah, you- myer yeah, I guess, yeah, Meyer. But I, I Meier is the game breaker, 100%. Yeah. And look, he's
4: a beast. He's legit. He's he's everything that you might think that he would be for a he's deadline. more than edition. a rental,
3: right? I think he's more than a rental. I think there's a good chance. The team who, who acquires him acquires him with the plan that we're going to sign him to seven or eight years at nine plus.
4: Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I just wonder if there's someone out there like Carolina who doesn't typically dabble in rentals and probably doesn't have a lot of interest in one. Is there, is, is there time to think outside the box and say we're going we're gonna to trade for Timo Meyer and we're going to use him as a, a rental in the playoffs and then because he's an RFA and has to go through all those hoops with the qualifying offer, we are going to flip him in June to somewhere else and get 25 cents back on the dollar of what we paid. Does that make any sense to you? Well, yeah, it would. I think teams overthink it. I think they they spend all these assets and then they commit the dollars in term. And then three years in, they hate themselves for doing it. And then what's wrong with going the traditional rental route with regards to someone like Meyer, who's an RFA, that you can then maybe get something back for? in return and you just use him, and and if the fit is so good that you can't you can't deny it and you can't move on from him then trade someone else on your team yeah i think teams put themselves into a box of we must do this we must do that it's not binary it's not on or off it's it's a constant evolving living breathing thing putting
3: together a team yeah no i would agree it's definitely something to uh to to look bigger picture for. Um we spoke lots Frank about hey, um you know the Vegas Golden Knights because of all the cap space they have with the with uh, Mark Stone eventually going on LTIR. And now of course uh, on the weekend it's announced that we Thompson is out long term. He should be back by the end of the regular season, but it's not a short term injury. So you're thinking at least a month for uh, for Vegas. Do you think they just do they go Brisson and Hill? Could they roll the dice with those two or do you think they're now 100% in the market for a goalie?
4: I think they're 100% in in the market for a goalie and I think the reason for that is even when Thompson was healthy his game was really starting to slide yeah and I, I just don't think that you can you can actually point to the moment in the standings where they started to slide as Thompson's save percentage started to slide it's it's all directly correlated And I don't think they can afford to, given the pressure that they're under, I think, internally um, from ownership. Like if they miss the playoffs again this year, um, I I know they went through a deep dive process last year and they really considered making a management change. They ended up not. And I think they're in a spot where if that were to happen that you're gonna see heads roll. And if it were for that reason, where everyone entered the season saying, can't believe you're betting a playoff roster on Logan Thompson. It really seemed to pay off through the first few months of the season, I'd say up until sort of early December. And then things started to turn. Is it that teams figure out Thompson? Is it that the workload, you know, trotting him out there so often um, is is something that he couldn't handle? I I think those are all really interesting things. When you look at the Golden Knights, I would say – Two things. I think they need a goalie, and I still think that, to me, right at this exact moment in time, makes sense as the premier landing spot for Patrick Kane.
3: Oh, yeah, I, w- I would agree.
4: Rental. Yeah. And a star, and can play with Jack Eichel, who who had been really quiet for a number of games. Um, yeah, I I, I just – I'm looking at the goalie market, I'm saying who – Like, who can you trade for that's really going to give your team a boost?
3: Yeah, I've looked at it. There's I I actually think Varlamov might be the best available goalie. That would make sense to me. Um, The problem is
4: Lou Lamorello has resisted the urge to trade Varlamov for a while because he's a big believer that you need two goalies. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we all know Sorokin is going to be the guy carrying the water for them in the playoffs. Oh yeah, but I think everyone's nervous about what happens if you have an injury. Yeah, that, no, that's totally
3: fair. Um, what about this? So I guess I understand that. The if you're the uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. If, well, James Reimer's banged up now too, so I probably I would have taken Reimer ahead of. Uh, um, Nijel- now, see, Nijelkovic is the one I thought makes sense for Toronto if they're looking for a depth because you can acquire him and he just sits in the minors so you don't have to waive him. And then you just have to recall him, right? And then you don't have to carry three goaltenders. So that's that's the advantage. Toronto makes sense. Obviously, they'd have to figure out the cap hit uh, to make it work. But
4: What about Nijelkovic? You know? okay.
3: Wow. <laughs> yeah, you... Man, like, is Arizona ever going to have a, a competitive team? Like, to trade a legit goaltender, man, like, you could get a lot for him. He is le- – like, he's a starter. Yeah, for sure. That would make sense for Vegas. Because could he you get a lot guy. for him? I think VegMilk is pretty good.
4: No, I think he's good, but I'm just thinking of the market in general. Teams don't really pay for goalies. And they're very rarely trade deadline acquisitions.
3: No, it's true. Dwayne Rolson, I think, would be the last one. He got a first, right? In, Mark andre uh, Fleury series. got a second. Yeah. That was last so, year.
4: I, I mean, Fesmukh is good. I, I and the contract is great. Two point yeah. seven two five. I would say there's there's a whole host of backups. Like if you were to see Calgary be out of it, I could see Dan Vladar making a ton of sense. But again, they need Vladar because Markstrom be, has struggled.
3: Oh yeah, I don't. I don't see Calgary moving their guy at all. They just signed him to that contract too. I well think that like, him. but
4: that's actually why they signed him to the contract was if he plays really well, they actually, they think he's a future number one. Oh, and, I agree. And they're thinking if, he, Vladar is actually a lot younger than people realize. Um, their thought process was we have great insurance and great a great piece to play behind and, and share the load with Markstrom. Um, Daryl Sutter hasn't really bought into giving Vladar more time this year, which I think has probably been pretty frustrating for them. But the the part, the other part of it was if his game explodes, we have a really nice asset to trade if we need to.
3: Yeah. I know they're high on their goalies in the American League. So, I, you know, that, but I think Markstrom's got to find a little bit more consistency in this game before they want to move Ladar, right? That's their challenge. Like Ladar is the main reason why they're still on the hunt, the way Markstrom's played for the last two and a half months. Now you got to win over Buffalo and they actually, they spanked the savers, completely dominated that game. So maybe that's the, that's the jumping off turnaround point because, you, know, Who's you, look another just goalie? Down, you look down the road for them. Um, Jack Campbell, if you were in December 31st, people in Edmonton were like, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. And since then, he's 9-0 in starts. So yeah. you can, uh, things can turn around quickly for goaltenders. It's, a, it's, a, it's the most unpredictable position, I think, in the game, Frank, excluding maybe four or five guys. I, I, I say this
4: all the time. I think it's the most fickle position in pro sports. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going through the list of goalies right now. Like, Who else would you target? Corpus Allo? he's in the final year of his deal at 1.3 he's got a 909 this year on a really bad columbus team i i mean he's also had injury histories that that's the list is super long so i i don't like there's no like okay so we just talked about the forward market and then we've talked about the goalie market and there's no like outside of meyer And outside of Vegmelka, there's no one that really gets you excited on either market, right? We had this conversation on our daily face-off roundtable, if you you can click on it over the weekend. Matt Larkin, Nick Alberga, Stephen Ellis, we all weighed in. The question was, who on your team should not be, you know, what, what is one player that's been rumored to be out there all season long that shouldn't be traded at the deadline? And... Larkin answered with his, uh, his, his namesake, Dylan Larkin, uh, Nick Alberga said, Jeff Chickren or Jacob Chickren, not Jeff, his dad. Um, and I just said, everyone on this board should be traded all 40 guys. And the reason for that is you need to seize on the market. You need to turn over a new leaf. You need to collect as many assets as you can. And I just think there's this this uh, risk. And I, I understand where the cap is at, but I think there's a risk averse stagnation that, that plagues the NHL in their management ranks. And, you know, theoretically, every single one of those guys should be moved. And I understand there's no trade clauses and complications that may get in the way, but You should be trying to till up as much new ground as possible and take advantage of guys on really good contracts that you have on your team, especially if you're a bad team because that player is more valuable to someone else than they are to you. Taylor Radish from the Chicago Blackhawks. He's got, I think he has 14 goals this year. He makes 700 and some thousand dollars and has another year left on his deal. That contract, as good as he has been for them, it's not worth anything to the blackhawks it's worth way more to i don't know that he just came from tampa so probably not going back there It, it pick a team that needs help and could use it at the bottom of their lineup that makes no he makes no money what what good is he to the hawks
3: yeah, no, that makes sense, man. Quickly, before we get to Tyler Remchuk, um, we've talked a lot about centers. I still think, you know, we talk about Carolina. If they don't get a star winger, they need a second-line center, Frank. If they're going to go deep, yes, Barry cockney he's not doing it. And I know they paid him for it, and they, they hoped he'd fill it. Well, he's not ready. Maybe he'll be ready next year, but he's not ready this year. He's like 11th in scoring. He's got 21 points. You got Ryan O'Reilly out there. If I'm the Carolina Hurricanes... Now he's not a Kane game breaker, but he's a pretty good player. And and I be, they gotta up upgrade their second line center position if they want to go deep. I don't oh, see man. any way they can go deep without it. Ryan O'Reilly on that team. Whew. That'd be an unbelievable curated
4: selection, I think, based on the way he plays. He he's oh, like a Rod
3: Brindamore guy. Are you kidding me? Like those two would be those two would be hugging it out all the time. I was just gonna say he's Rod brindamore light,
4: is essentially what he is. Um, and uh, with all due respect to Rod, who had a fantastic career, he might actually be more offensively talented than Rod. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I I can't think of a better addition for them, but they don't really like rentals. Yeah, wow. I think they're gonna take a big swing. I just, they just don't like rentals. So I don't yeah. know who else they'd be after. Um, but you're right, it's not just Kotkiniemi, like they've tried to fill the void a little bit with Paul Stasny. Um, Neither one of them is really ready to be a true 2C on a Stanley Cup contender. And I I think they also realize the moment that they're in. Yeah. They've got a they real play. opportunity here it, to get to the conference final by running their side of the bracket. I know you just talked about the Rangers and Devils. Let those two slug it out in the first round.
3: Mm-hmm. Find a way to win on the road in the playoffs, Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's true. And I look at – like I think Carolina's got a really good number one center, and they got a really good third-line center. But don't ask Jordan – don't take Jordan Stahl out of his great – he's a great – he might be the best third-line center in the league for what he can do for, for your team. Um, but they need a second-line center. Cockney Emmy's not that guy. They They, you know – I said that from day one of that trade. I didn't like that signing, and then the contract extension. I was like, "You're." They're like, "Oh, he's going to play into it. Playing into a contract works out a few times, and then everybody thinks that's the norm. It isn't." So um, they you know doubled what? down. They should. They should have moved on.
4: They yeah. they signed him to the one year deal at six million. Or just at, sign him to what he's, he's worth.
3: To. Yeah, he well, wasn't worth that,
4: that. Well, that's the thing. You can't get a player to buy in on a long term deal like that unless they're. They feel like they're being taken. It it's works both ways because you're also then, this kind of reminds me of the Matias Samuelson contract in a way. Uh, and we could argue whether he's there yet or not, but you have to basically get the player to buy in that he's not going to be any good. That's
3: really the other part of the contract is like, hey, you're well, really you're like, good, really, because Kakanyami's still getting, like his average over those nine years of that contract, Frank, was like a, a five point something you know, that's pretty good money. Like that means you got to be a consistent 50 plus point player. And some of you, everyone's projecting with the cap going up and it'll be in the hundreds
4: before that deal is over that at $4 million and change, it's really like third line center money. And it's basically saying, Hey bud, you're never going to be above this. Yeah. Wow. That's really the other part of the deal that no one thinks about is, is convincing the player. Like you better take this because you, you, you might not be very good. And the player actually has to buy into that thinking, wow, I, I could flame out after one or two years and never
3: get this kind of security. Yeah, that's fair. Totally fair. Um, Eric Carlson, what, uh, what are you hearing on the Carlson front? And Meyer, it's funny. San Jose might have the two – well, they got the best board and best defenseman available, and they might move both. It's nuts. Um, they're in a spot where I, I, it's, I,
4: it's almost 100% guarantee that they're moving Meyer. Yeah. Carlson, I still think, is a long shot. And here's the thing. We know that the ask was high already for Carlson at 18%, three first-round picks. And I know Mike Greer sort of quibbled with that reporting and said it's not entirely accurate or not totally accurate. Um, he didn't say that it's mostly inaccurate either, which I think is an important distinction to make. But if you are going from 18 to 20% ratcheting it up to 40% to take another $2 million off, or even to get 50% and get them at 5.75 million for each of the next four seasons. Yeah. You're going to pay through the nose to do it. That yeah. much is clear to me. Um, and I just, would you do it? Would, like, would you pay a ton to essentially sign Basically what you're doing is you are paying a ton of future assets to pay to, to sign Eric Carlson to a four year or
3: four and a seven half year. million dollar contract. Yes. Would you do that? I, I would, I think Carlson's worth it for four years. I think, um, his skating ability is going to allow him to, you know, the elite players don't age as bad as the average players. They just don't. So seven but million, how many elite players have rebuilt ankles and, and other injuries. Yeah, no. Hey, is that a concern? Agreed wholeheartedly. I think for certain teams, I would do it, right? There are certain teams that I think they look and say, hey, you got to go through caution to the wind. Um, but I will say it's 40%. If you're giving back a good player, that they're probably going to trade in the future for something else, then I don't, I don't think they'll get three first rounders and Carlson at 40%. I think that's unrealistic. I don't think you're going to get that, but it might so be a good think player. If they do eat that much that they're going to have to t- lower their ask. Well, if they eat Is that, that much, saying? it's not so much lowering in their ass. You're going to have to take some money back in today's NHL. That's just a fact. Even if, they're, even if they retain four and a half, they're still going to have to take back close to $7 million in contracts for this year, at least. Right. Just most teams, you look at most teams making deals, they're all in LTIR. So it's money in, money out. So and you're not just going to get three dud players. You know what I mean? I think you're going to get back a pretty solid player like Edmonton, for instance. Let's use them as an argument. People are saying, well, it's got to be Tyson Berry. It makes sense. Tyson Berry a consistent 50 point defenseman. He's a top 10 scoring defenseman in the league. He's not chump change. And you'd be able to likely trade him next season for something else. So if Berry's involved in the trade, I don't think you're getting three first rounders as well. But that's just me. I, I could be wrong
4: i don't i don't see i like i think you really begin to mess with the chemistry of your team yeah, that's valid like i think tyson barry is such a big part of not just that power play and you could make the argument that subbing out carlson for barry okay makes perfect sense the power play is going to be way better that's not a guarantee yeah and it's when not gonna be way better it's hard to be better <laughs> yeah it's clicking at 31 percent, right somewhere yeah. in that neighborhood so it not only that, but then everyone there loves Tyson Barry. His teammates adore him. So then you take Tyson Barry out, and then what? How does that impact your team? Like I think that's it's a fair. real thing and
3: a real consideration. Yeah, that's fair. Let's bring in Ty Chuck for fill in the blanks.
0: Yes, let's do some fill in the blank. Brought to you by Montanas where we have a $100 gift card up for grabs over on our Instagram and Twitter right now, guys. So if you're listening, you can head over Daily Face Off on Instagram, Daily Face Off on Twitter, find out how you can win $100 today is Monday. That means it's half price wings. $100 goes a long way when it's half price wings at Montanas. Uh, I got a fun one for you guys right off the jump in honor of the Super Bowl being yesterday. I just want the first name that kind of comes to your mind when you hear this. The NHL player that would make the best NFL player is blank, Jason.
3: Oh, Um, it's a good question. I will say Reeves. Big, strong, could
0: run. I'll say Reeves. He's got some family that played football too, right, in the CFL? Oh, yeah, his brother plays in the CFL. Yeah, right? Yeah. I was gonna say that feels like it's cheating, um,
4: <laughs> and I yeah, big strong. I, we don't know if he can run. That's an important. Uh, oh no, he advantage. can move. Hockey players can't run. Uh, I'm gonna say, just off the top of my head, Nicolas Delorier. Ooh, not a bad one. No love for also Ovi. You don't think ovi got the hands? No, no. Oh. He. Uh, so Delorier, is like he's also ferocious. You watch the NFL again, again, I can't even believe how ridiculous these tickets were. We were in the seventh row. You realize how violent it is Oh, when you see it it? that close. You don't, you, you get a sense of it on TV, but you don't actually understand until you see it closely.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of the NFL guys would have to bulk up just to play. it goes different sport. Yeah. Uh, You guys talked a
0: little bit about Chikrin and L.A. potentially being a fit. Obviously, that might not happen. He's still a coyote as of Monday morning. So I'll ask you, if it's not L.A. getting Chikrin, blank would be a good fit, Frank.
4: Mm. Well, I think if they're retaining, you all of a sudden bring a bunch of other people into the mix. Mm.
0: Uh, What about Boston? made a big splash for a D-man last year at the deadline getting Lindholm.
3: Jason? Um, well, I think they've upgraded their forward position, but I think they need to upgrade their defense. I'll say the Rangers.
0: Rangers, Yeah, maybe they're, uh, they see the early returns on Tarasenko and it tempts Chris Drury to push some more chips into the middle. Uh, over at dailyfaceoff.com, we have our latest power rankings and the Winnipeg Jets have creeped into the top 10. If you're Kevin Day off. Or sorry, I'll phrase this a little bit differently. Kevin Sheffield dayoff should be looking to add blank ahead of the deadline, Jason.
3: Well, see, it's funny. I wanted the minute I said the Rangers, I wanted to change my answer to the Jets or the Leafs. So um, I think the Jets. I, I man, they got a lot of offense. They can score. They got a great goaltender. You know, Morrissey's obviously having an unbelievable season, but I still think they'd like to they'd like to upgrade on their blue line. Which a lot of teams do, so that's not like it's a bold statement. But I think the Jets specifically, they could uh, they could upgrade on their right side. Hmm. I could see them going after a winger. You know, just
4: push everyone a little bit further down the lineup. You know,
0: increase the depth. I don't know. I, I could see them adding a winger for sure. All right. Let's move along and wrap this up with our Points Bet Canada bonus question. I'm going to put you guys in the spot where try, try to put your odds makers hat on a little bit here. And I was reading the article we had up at dailyfaceoff.com from Matt Larkin over the weekend where he was talking about you know teams that maybe have the best chance of going all in. And I'll phrase this as a GM kind of question. Which GM is most likely to make the most noise at the deadline? Like if you had to set the odds for which GM is most likely to... Again, kind of have the most going on deadline day. Who would you pick, Frank? Ooh.
4: Hard to argue against the Golden Knights given the cap space and their need and their aggressive nature. So I will say between now and then, Vegas. The other teams that I thought about when answering the question were New Jersey. And
3: I'm going to say Carolina. I think, um, you know, cap space plays like the team that's best suited that's competitors, the Winnipeg Jets. They should be able to make lots of moves. They got like 6 million bucks in cap space, which amongst playoff teams is a massive amount. So I'm going to go with shovel day off. I think that the Jets, but then I, I also think that um, Tom Fitzgerald in New Jersey. So east and west, I'll go Winnipeg and New Jersey. All
0: right, there you go. That is a wrap. Shout out to Bet Canada and our friends at Montana's. Montana's.ca. Find a location near you and check out more of not just their daily deals, but also their brand new comfort menu. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
3: Frank, the uh, the talk about Chickren, I, I think that really, you know, you're astutely, it changes the conversation, puts, you know, a lot more teams in the mix. If all of a sudden Arizona's going to eat even a meal, well, that means you can get Chickren, but then you could also still use that other million dollars for a depth winger. If you want, right, and and not just for this year, but for next season, you know, you outlined a guy like Radish. Look how many guys around the league are making a million or less, and are good contributors to teams. We saw last summer lots of teams, you know, walking away from RFAs because they don't want to risk arbitration and a big raise. So, man, I, I think the the value for Chicken if they're if they're willing to eat it, you know, uh, the Edmonton could go in that list significantly. Toronto should be in that list. Winnipeg, like that. But then that compare really him to. Compare him to Carlson, then. So again, yeah, well, I don't
4: think they're in the same stratosphere of player. But like, if you're talking chicken and at let's just call it three five, and you and you can finally knock Carlson down to seven, the the chasm in assets that it, that are required to do that, plus cap space, plus pieces that you need to pry off your roster to your point to make it happen, I. I don't want to say it becomes obvious, but to me, he's way younger at 24. He still has a significant injury history with the surgeries he's been through. But I don't – like, that's the direction I would be going in.
2: Well, because well, we had four right.
4: years of Eric Carlson really playing somewhat crappy hockey, given his given he was being paid as the number one defenseman in the NHL. He, he wasn't close to living up to the contract. The Sharks are trying to move on because – I think part of it, the issue is in the back of their head, not only are they not going to be good, we got to capitalize on his value now because what if he goes back to next season or the season after playing the same hockey he played previously?
3: Yeah, much of his play was injury-related. I don't think it was a lack of ability. I think it was a lack of... uh ability to I guess perform to his level and you're right maybe he does you know get banged up again so that's a, a significant risk as it is with Chickren who's, who's had an injury history but he's younger and so maybe he gets over it but I think if and let's say they do retain salary and I wonder how that impacts the Carlson trade because then opposing GMs are like hey wait a sec and they do exactly what you did in the negotiation so it might actually hurt the uh, Sharks well, if the Chickren deal gets done first. I, I think that's what
4: happened with uh, Tarasenko it was okay, here's the price for Timo Meyer, here's the price for Patrick Kane or what we believe is in that neighborhood. We're we're going to go over here to Vladimir Tarasenko who we think might ultimately give us the same or a better boost depending on our fit and not have to spend those assets and not have to take those risks, whether it's Kane and the hip injury or Meyer and paying exorbitantly on the next contract. That they just say, "You know what?" Let's go after Tarasenko. We'll plug him in, see if it works. And if it does, maybe we can address signing him to a longer-term deal down the road. And if not, we'll just let him walk as a rental as we did last year with four guys.
3: Yeah, no. No. I it's, it'll be a fascinating, uh, well, we're less than we're less than three weeks away now to the trade deadline. So the, the conversations and lots of GMs I spoke to had said, you know what, they didn't think things were really going to move this year until uh, closer to the deadline. And I know we argued and said, well, you're in LTIR. Does it really make a difference? But clearly it's making a difference. So uh, these next, what is it, 18 days, it's going to be fascinating to see how it works and, and have how one deal suddenly changes. And, and some, you know, there's a little bit of chicken involved here, Frank. A guy waits 100%. out to see. And then they're like, well, dude, you can just keep him and get nothing right now. Or do you want to deal him? And so that's going to be the uh, kind of the, the you know, who blinks first mentality a little bit down the stretch. And that's going to be fascinating. So, yeah. Frank, have a safe flight home across the country. And uh, we will talk to you from Philly.
2: Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Valley and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.
0: All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions. We'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under